0: you're tuning in to New Life Vietnam. Today's message by Pastor Lap is Pastoral Chat number 3, Hearing Dilemma, from First Kings 13, verses
1: 1 to 34. Uh, catching up. Okay. All right, we come to the tail end of the year. Uh, I hope that you are on track. I think a lot of you are on track. A lot of you have just a couple of days behind. That's okay, I think we have the um, <clears throat> uh, we have the, the TED the lunar New year, so you can recalibrate um, for those of you who uh, long to see the new plan for next year uh, it's going to be probably something similar, but the point is just reading God's word on a daily basis. okay um, is there any, anything else I missed for announcement? okay um, let me see. Oh, yes, that will be the end. Uh, the end after the sermon, I will share quickly about some uh, picture information about Central Vietnam. And those, um, uh, like a few of you asked, how can you help? Actually, some of you already made contribution to help. So we're waiting so for the information, assess the need, and um, and just uh, uh, find a trusted uh, People there, um, through some uh, contact I have, uh, because uh, just in case you, kno- you you don't know, the local news uh, v- reported that a lot of uh, scam being going around in the central part. You know where disasters strike, uh, people take took advantage of you know some of the some of the help from the city, and they they um, yeah they mess it up, right? So the the police involved with some of that. And so I have to find some trusted uh, contacts so that we can be able to deliver to the people that they need, right? Okay, all right. We are on to the pastoral chat number three for this year. Um, Two weeks ago, uh, we talked about trust issues, right? And uh, it seemed like uh, convicting uh, too many, Right? And uh, I think we all have a degree of that, and uh, but the, the key is awareness, because awareness will uh, in a way that half the battle won already, meaning that you're aware that we have the trust issue, and you, um, the goal is to build first and foremost the trust the trust with the Lord, because sometimes we hear god 's word, but uh, we agree we um, We, but we just don't really fully trust his word, and uh, trust requires a risk, you know, some involves some risk. If there is no risk involved, which means that you're not quite fully trust the Lord. I mean, uh, when you God said certain things, that you and I must take a degree of risk in order to uh, do it. But this morning, I got a story. Um, you know, to tell you in 1st King. and um, But before that, can I just uh, share a joke? Joke allow, right? <laughs> you know, gentlemen, do you know uh <clears throat> that uh, women uh, speak 30,000 words a day? I mean, the scientific report, I didn't make that number. And men... Only 50,000 words a day. One five, 15,000, 15,000 words a day, which is about half, right? You know, gentlemen, you know why? Yeah, you know why? No? Because the lady needs to repeat things. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Because, guys, we have a hearing problem, right? <laughs> yeah. Because they said one time and we don't hear it because we have selective hearing. We just hear what we want to hear, right? I mean, this is a universal uh, sin problem, right? Uh, Eve Eve only want to hear what God told her about the, the tree. And Adam, I guess, right? Okay, you know if you want it, you know, we just take it, you know, and so they took it. So, hearing problem. Um, let us uh, turn to the um, story here. For me, this story is a bit intrigued and perplexed and sometimes, you know, uh, I read so many times and... Um, it's still full of and it's sometimes it's scary, and, I, you know, sometimes we don't know how to make of it. And I got, um, you know, a lot of people asked about, you know, when they read through the Bible reading plan and to come to the story, and they don't, you know, how to, don't even know how to make sense of it, right? Um, in chapter 13... Um, if you uh, follow the Bible, I think some of the Bible have uh, the so-called the subheading, the heading, and they can put out just kind of a, a general guideline for us. Uh, but here, let me just, um, for some of the tips, when you read the story in the Old Testament, uh, usually they always has of course, all stories have context. And so, and the story is sometimes a bit weird because we're not living in their world. And there's a distance between us, historical, distant, timeline, distant, cultural differences. And so, what the the best way that we have to kind of uh, uh, allow us to enter into the world, and usually the story will, will pull us in, if you say, you know, so you have to allow the story uh, to surface certain things and kind of uh, slow a little bit because you cannot understand the story if you read too fast, okay? Especially with this story in the Old Testament. All right, behold, a man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord to uh, Bethel. Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make offering. And a man cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus say the Lord, behold, a son shall be born to the house of David. Josiah by name, and he shall sacrifice on you the priests of the high places who make offering on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign that the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn down, and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. Verse 4, And when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar of Beth, at Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand. By the way, Jeroboam is a king of, in Israel. And Jeroboam stretched out his, his, his hand uh, from the altar, saying, Seize him. And his hand, which he stretched out against him, the man of God, dried up so that he could not draw it back to himself. It's kind of a frozen. Uh, verse 5, "...the altar was also torn down, and the ashes poured out from the altar, according to the sign uh, that the man of God had given by the word of the Lord." And the king said to the man of God, "...entreat now the favor of the Lord your God, and pray for me, that my hand may be restored to me." And the man of God entreat the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him, and became as it was before. Verse 7, And the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself. I will give you reward, a reward. And the man of God said to the king, If you give me half of your house, I will not go in with you, and I will not eat bread and drink water in this place. Verse 9, For so was it it commanded by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall neither eat bread, nor drink water, nor return by the way that you came. So he went another way, and did not return by the way that he came to Bethel. Verse 11. Now an own prophet lived in Bethel. All right, so pay attention to that. An own prophet lived in Bethel. So another prophet. And his son came and told him that all the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words that he has spoken to the king. And their father said to them, which way did he go? And his son showed him the way that he, 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 the man of God who came from Judah. So two different regions on the south, Judah, uh, and then Bethel is up uh, uh, north of Jerusalem. And he said to his son, "Settle a donkey for me." So they settled the donkey for him, and he mounted it. And he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, "Are you the man of God who came from Judah?" And he said, "I am." Then he said to him, "Come home with me and eat bread." And he said, I may not return with you or go with you, neither I will eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. Verse 17. For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, You shall neither eat bread nor drink water here nor return by the way that you came. And he said to him, I also a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you into your house that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. Verse 19, so he went back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. And as they sat at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet, the prophet in Bethel, who had brought him back, the man of God in Judah. And he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah, Thus say the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord, and have not kept the command that the Lord your God commanded to you, but have come back and have eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, Eat no bread, drink no water. Your body shall not come to the tomb of your father's. And after he had eaten bread and drunk, he saddled the donkey for the prophet who had, brought, who had brought back. Verse 24, And he went away, a lion met him on the road, and killed him. And his body was thrown in the road, and the donkey stood beside it, and the lion also stood beside the body. We mean that the lion did not eat his body. And behold, men passed by and saw the bodies thrown down on the road and the lion standing by the body. And they came and tore it into the city where the old prophet lived. And when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard of it, he said, It is the man of God who disobeyed the word of the Lord. And therefore the Lord has given him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him according to the word that the Lord spoke to him." Verse 27, And he said to his son, Settle a donkey for me. Uh, They settled it, and he went and found his body thrown in the road, and the donkey and the lion standing beside the body, and the lion not eaten the body or torn the donkey. Verse 29, And the prophet took up the body of the man of God and laid it on the donkey and brought it back to the city to mourn and to bury him. Verse thirty, he said to the he, he laid the body on the, his own grave. He has his own graveyard. And they mourned over him, saying, Allah, my brother, after he had buried him, he said to his son, When I die, bury me in the grave in which the man of God is buried. Lay my bone beside his bone. For the saying that he called out the word of the Lord against the altar and Bethel against all the house Uh, of the high places that are in the city of Samaria surely come to pass. Verse 33, after this thing, after all of this happened, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way, but made priests for high places. Again, from all the people, anyone who good he ordained, Meaning anyone who has ability, he ordained the priest to be in the high, high places. And this thing, verse 34, became sin to the house of Jeroboam, so as to cut it off and destroy it from uh, the face of the earth. And as uh, you continue to read on the part of Kings, you can see uh, other kings will repeat the sin of Jeroboam, the sin of Jeroboam, the sin of Jeroboam. It's the one that keep repeat it so that the generation remember what kind of sin is that. In order as to kind of bit of context of the story, um, the end, the tail end of verse uh, of, of chapter 12, give us a little bit of a context. But let me summarize for you, meaning that Jeroboam, uh, they are descendant of Solomon, and uh, Solomon, because at the the tail end of his life, did not uh, worship the Lord, did not follow the Lord, so the Lord said, I will, you know, divide your kingdom, and there will be a Rehoboam, and, you know, there will be tension between them, and, uh, you know, as you remember, uh, in the Old Testament, the worship center, the worship center must be in Jerusalem, that were designated, that will be his command by the Lord. So, everybody who wants to, once a year, if they're too far, they want to come uh, to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. And here in Jeroboam, because of he afraid of people uh, that only come to uh, the house of Judah, because they, the 12 tribe, uh, the ten one, one, the, the eleven one one follow Jeroboam. But Rehoboam in Judah, and uh, they have Jerusalem. And uh, Jeroboam, the king of uh, Israel, because they divided, so want, afraid that people come to Jerusalem will worship there, and of course there will be, uh, follow the king, Rehoboam. So Jeroboam had an idea, like, let's uh, make another worship center uh, that in, in Bethel, so that people can uh, just easily worship, and so that, that that divided. And so this is why the, God sent the prophet, or said a man of God, when uh, the phrase the, "the man of God," a man of God can be, um, you know, usually a prophet uh, that will speak God's words. Unnamed, we don't know his name, but God sent this prophet to speak to um, uh, Jeroboam. I remember also right after um, <coughs> uh, Solomon died, uh, Rehoboam asked the council of uh, his uh, father cabinet and say. You know, give like, hey, how I can I treat these people? How late? And the the older folks council say, you know, treat them well. You know, this is your father. You know, they already put a lot of loads on them. Unload and reduce. Uh, but then also he said, okay, give me three days, and you know, I will seek another younger, the peers council. Uh, my buddy should, you know, give me some advice. And then Rehoboam in in, in the in the south uh, in Jerusalem, and then he seek the younger council guys, the buddy. And then they say, no, 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 you want to show them, you know, you are king. You want to show them double, triple the way that Solomon treated them. Just put a heavy yoke on them. They will respect you. So, sadly, Rehoboam followed the younger counsel. They liked their buddy advice rather than his dad, uh, you know, counsel, uh, counseling cabinet. And so, at the end, that's why the people of Israel rebelled against Rehoboam and followed Jeroboam. Right, so that split the kingdom. So Jeroboam's sin is that he worry now that people still come to Jerusalem to worship God there. So he made Bethel is the second center. He made another one also with a golden calf. So he just put an the altar there, and people can easily worship because there will be no temple like in Jerusalem. So this is the kind of a context here. So God sent the men to speak to the king Jeroboam, yeah, right? This is what the Lord said, the altar, because he kind of, uh, uh, in a way, that he, his sin is idolatry. He, he, he decided himself, I can appoint priests, I will put sacrifice, uh, offering sacrifice. Usually, it has to be the priest or the Levite. Right, that's by the command, but he said, I'm king, I just do anything I want. I mean, I just put out. altar, I sacrifice my own anymore. Uh, I just anyone who seems like have a you know, don't have to be from the Levite, have an ability, just appoint him to be a high priest in the high places. And so, he ignored all the command of the Lord, it just his want to do his way, even the temple, the worship God, his way, and therefore, God sent a man. But the um. The turn, as you read the story, the sad part is that this man, a man of God, unnamed, we don't know, but he, he commanded by the Lord. He know clearly the Lord said that, you know, you shall not eat or drink or just basically not even stay or not return in the same way but go a different way. Uh, the, the, uh, the concept of the, uh, the Old Testament is that whenever the place is cursed, Let's say the prophets say, you know, this place is cursed. You shall not even fellowship there. You shall not even stay there because it's going to be cursed. You need to get out of it. Uh, so same with, uh, with Sodom and Gomorrah. One, the Lord that decided going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, the place is cursed. You have, there's no way to restore it. You have to get out. And this is why... A uh, lot, and and his uh, household, they kind of a last minute, you know, ran out. But Lot's wife still want to, not even like, you know, return physically, but by the just a look back, uh, it indicate her heart is still there. So the Lord kind of kill her, you know, like frozen pillar of salt and die there. Why they can't escape? Because Abraham intercede, asked for ten people. If the Lord, if you have then ten people, will you destroy you remember a story? Will you destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And not even ten. Why? Because that including uh the the in-laws and the uh, wife of Lot, not even not ten. That's why the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So the context here, God's bring the a man of God to prophesy and to tell um the word of the Lord to Jeroboam. But here's the you have to ask in Bethel, they also have prophet. In Bethel, they also have prophet. The king usually have prophet. They have priests, And later on, the the Bible tells us that there's an old prophet live in Bethel. But it seemed like this guy did not rebuke the king for what he did because the definitely the king did what was wrong, set up another worship center, Sacrifice his own suffering, doesn't need the priest, set up high places, Mean there will be idol. there will be different things. So the, the uh, maybe, uh, maybe not just one, maybe a few prophets live there, but they've been saturated in the situation that they no longer have the sensitivity of the word of the Lord that speak to the king directly, rebuild the king. It's the same why you read in this, uh, the story of... Uh, Godom and Somera, uh, 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 Sodom and Gomorrah, that you see that people they do such a terrible act as a reader. We read and say, how things happen and people stay still okay. Because they have been seeing around them so common. Nobody has anything that used the Word of God to read them because that's normal. And so God used a man from Judah to go to the north to tell the king this word. And then the king kind of want to seize him and want to kill him. And then, of course, God showed a sign. This is a man of God you cannot touch. And then his hand frozen. And then the king repented, said, look, look, you know, come to my place. You know, maybe, maybe be my advisor. Stay with me. And then I will, you know, give you my house. Half a house, I mean, half of his, his kind of kingdom, you know, quite important, you know, role. And so, like, try to say, hey, don't, don't go anywhere. Just stay with me. This is, I think, you're a man of God. But the, the, the man of God clearly said that, you know, no, the Lord commanded me not to stay, neither to drink, even no fellowship with you. This is a, like, you know, a big insult. Like the king, the thing about the president sent you letters, <laughs> invitation, you can come to my place, you meet in my cabinet, uh, and then, you know, half of the things that you see I have it belong to you. Just stay with me. And then, if you still have the zeal, no, no, because the Lord told me so, I will not even eat with you. Even if you give me half, I don't care. I'm going to go because I just need to say what I need to be said. And the Lord commanded me. So it went away. The, 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 the turn, the twist of a story is uh, interesting where had another old prophet that arrived and uh, for whatever reason, we don't know. We don't know. It kind of like enticed him. Say, "Hey, look, you know, I'm also a prophet," and an angel, of course, the Bible. As a reader, we know as a as a character in the Bible, the man of God. He didn't know that this guy lied. As a reader, we know that. The, so they say, you know, uh, come because the you know, an angel told me that you come. So here, you know, as the prophets has kind of a hearing dilemma. Like, yeah, I heard the Lord. Clearly, commanded me three times. So, the Bible sometimes you read, repeat it three times, or you know, sometimes you feel like a bit boring. I just read that, why I need to repeat? Because it's emphasized that the word of the Lord is so clear and emphasized to this man of God. He heard it, he repeated himself one time with the king, uh, he repeated to the, uh, the old prophet in Bethel again, and yet he followed the guy, came back to his home, fellowship, meaning eating drinking. And then the irony is the word of the Lord did not come to the man of God, just disobey God's word. Came to the man that had been so-called lukewarm, (laughs) did not hear the the word of the Lord so long, make up lies, say the angel. The word of the Lord came to that liars, to the the man, the, the prophet in Bethel, and tell the man of God, from Judah, and said, you just disobey the Lord, and this is going to happen to you. You're going to be punishment. And, uh, and the curse that you curse in the house of Jeroboam in Bethel is now to be on you because you just disobey the Lord. So the curse would be that the lion, you know, will kill you. And yet, by the mercy of God, his body remained intact. Because in the Old Testament concept, if the body body been been torn by animals it's just like in the best state. Because they treasure the body; they don't want you know, or you die in the war, you you know, you got be or the body has not remained the same. Uh, it's kind of a curse. And so, uh, but the, the the picture is I, of, of also perplexing because the the lion just killed and it's just staying there, and the donkey is standing there. And so kind of a subtle analogy or metaphor, the writer wants to get the picture to the reader to understand the state of Jeroboam, the king. Uh, the king almost like an animal, a uh, donkey. Um, the, prophet, uh, the prophet died because he's obeyed the Lord. And the lion, you know, at least he can be <laughs> merciful, not kill, I uh, mean, maw or eating the body. And just kind of a, you know, kind of a message to Jeroboam and his cabinet. At the end of the chapter, Jeroboam still do what he, you know, he wants to do. He seen it, he he know it, he know the man of God, he know the story, but yet he still wants to do what he wants to do, which means set up all the high places, set up all the priests. This is so severe in the Old Testament concept, because why? Because the the God already clearly instructed only Uh, The Levite only that Jerusalem, so he disobeyed the Lord. Now, here are a few points that I kind of draw out from the story for us. Number one. Number one, hearing God's voice always implies keeping God's command, meaning obey God's command. Are you still with me? Hearing God's voice or hearing God's word does not mean that's for our intellectual nourishment. It's not like uh, we know mathematics and say, yeah, 2 plus 2 is 4. We agree, we do a test, we finish it. Uh, but, you know, if we, we, we don't believe it or we don't live out the way 2 plus 2 is 4. So hearing God's voice always implies keeping God's command. So the men of God that in the story... He kept the command in the first part, (laughs) I mean, with the king, because he just, you know, just declared the the curse and, you know, punishment of the king. But then he kind of, uh, you know, let his guard down with a fellow prophet. But he must ask why God sent me from Judah to the north. There's then there no prophet. Because they did not hear God and they did not speak the word of the Lord for so long. And that's why God sent the man from Judah to tell the king. Hearing God's voice implies keeping calm, even if it feels uncomfortable and become unpopular. I guess an old prophet in Bethel, maybe he's popular. Maybe he just want to please the king, did not say anything, upset him. Uh, maybe he feel uncomfortable if he says certain things, so he hasn't heard the the word of the Lord for a long time. That's why God sent another prophet. In our lives, hearing God's voice is beyond agreement and wow. You know, after you hear God's voice or a message, you say wow. But how that wow really? make its way to your life. Practically, how you apply that wow, how you apply that word. Because if you and I do not put what we hear from God's Word into our practice daily, we, we allow the hardening process of our heart begins. When you hear God's Word and you don't do it, our heart getting a bit hardened, getting hardening. Thicker, the skin gets thicker. Are right, you still with me? Hearing means obeying God's Word and keeping His Word. Uh, it definitely need trust. If you have trust issue, you will ignore it because, you know, I'm not sure, you know, the Word is for me, Lord, um, so I will not do it. Think about the command of the Lord to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. Maybe many of us do not have problem that we love the Lord our God with our heart. But maybe some have a problem to love the Lord with our mind because our mind has loved other things. Maybe we do not have the problem of love without God, without heart, without mind, without soul. Soul meaning our will, our emotion. Sometimes we let our emotion be God, take control of our life rather than the Lord. And maybe many of us do not have the problem with our heart, our mind, our soul, but our strength. We use all the strength, physical strength, for other things but not for the Lord. People can get tired with kind of no eternal values. And yet when come comes to eternal values, serving the Lord, loving the Lord, they are already tired. Because they have used their strength for other things. The practical way to see it, how people get tired on Sunday, easy. Because they had used all their strength on Saturday or during the week any any meet weeks meeting, they're so tired because they have used all their strength for other things. It's all about priority folks. We don't have extra hour. We all have twenty four hours, whether rich or poor, we have twenty four hours. It's priority game. I mean, just a a simple command. Are you still with me? Number two, keeping God's command requires our full attention while living in a world with full distracted activity. Full attention. Living in a world with full distracted activity. I mean, the prophet, uh, the, the man of God, he heard clearly. He came all the way. So quite far. He came all the way. He know that he's not supposed to be there. Fellowship with the king. He reject the king offer. However, he accepted the offer of another old prophet in Bethel. He said, okay, this is my buddy. You know, like, you know, I can, I can get along. And then he, he kind of lowered out his guard and then he, he sinned. Because a lot of distracted activity in our lives, sometimes that those extracted activity will not allow us to hear God's voice clearly. It can be food. It can be party. It can be indulgence. It's anything that you like, you're passionate about, it could be your dream. It could be your, your, your goal setting. It could be anything that we set above God and the Bible call it idolatry. Idolatry begins from the heart. Jeroboam began in his heart and say, I want to be king in Israel, therefore I decided this is the best strategy that the worship center must be in Bethel. Doesn't matter what the Lord say, but I decided I will be making the center worship. The most uh, common sin of all man, mankind, humankind, is that they make themselves the center of worship. They worship themselves. Without knowing God, I mean, in general, you talk to anyone, they say, I decide my life. I have my dream. I will take care of it. I will control. I, you have to do it. I, it's I, I, I. That is the universal sin because men want to make themselves the center of worship instead of God is the center of worship. And therefore, if you still hear the voice, I, 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 the God will be very small, almost like just your supporter. <laughs> you know, Jesus just become your supporter. Jesus just become that those fan. Jesus follow you and not you follow Jesus. God will will like a bottle in a genie. When you need him, you touch it, he comes out. Sometimes we use God, and we never want to be used by God. Because the center of our worship is I. You know, as a pastor, I have to uh, really pay full attention to this uh, story. It's, I mean, of course, it struck me. That's why I also share. You know, 52 Sundays a year. I know, you know, humanly speaking, I, if I have a street mark enough, I can make my 52 Sunday, I can make you happy. Not difficult. I can make you feel happy and pleased. You can just, you know, do uh, much about your life and however you do it, you'll be happy. You'll come to church you enjoy. Um, I'm not saying you're not enjoying right now, but I'm saying that that's easy. But to speak God's Word and sometimes it's uncomfortable to you and will make me unpopular or popular for negative things, right? Uh, uh, But that's not that's not the main focus of being God's people, and especially when God's spokesman, you and I also are God's speak- spokesman because you share God's Word in your daily basis with the people around you. And so I can really can make that, you know, like the old prophet, just like, hey, you're king, you want to do whatever you want. Today, the customer, whoever pays, is the king, right? And therefore, uh, whatever the church structure, the government, like they have a CEO, the board, and will usually tell the pastor what to say, and they do statistics, they do market survey, they do marketing, all the concepts. They operate the church as a corporation, and so that the message is market-driven. At least I'm responsible before God that the message I'm going to share with you is not market-driven. It is, Jesus should be the center of our worship and sin need to be purged by at the cross. So sometimes my message is not comfortable and will make me unpopular. But that's not the goal and the aim of my life, to be popular. A lot of distracted activity that sometimes pull us away from God. My last point, I have more thing to share in the last point. Now come to the difficult part. When we hearing a conflicting voices, even good one, right? What we should do? The solution is stick to God's command and call to our life. I mean, the prophet sent by God from Judah, he heard, he know, he knowed. In his heart... But for whatever reason, at that moment, he kind of like, okay, a fellow prophet came all the way, and uh, he said an angel, you know, spoke to him, and I shall eat with him. And then he just, you know, followed him and went home and ate and broke the Lord's command. Um, just give you a few examples. Uh, when I was in Singapore studying, <coughs> uh, Pastor Eric, um, due to the visa issues, uh, he won't be able to have uh, a, a three-month, six-month, or a nine months, or tw- one-year visa. So it was only tourist visa once a month, because he was, you know, he have oh well a week or so need to pack up his family. So he moved back to U.S. and some of you have been to that time. And so he 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 spoke once a month and. Uh, and then others uh, visiting pastors like of New Light, family of churches like Pastor William, Song McEntee came and s- took uh, the rest. And I was in Singapore. And uh, after everything was done, I came back and, you know, uh, we, uh, uh, got uh, installed as a senior pastor. And later on, he told me a story that during that time, uh, he also seeked some of the advice of his fellow pastor. Uh, that, that, that know him and they have accountability uh, together. They know each other. And most of the pastor advised that, you know, Pastor Eric should pull me back from Singapore. Pull me back from Singapore because they explained, uh, you know, um, you know, you don't need a pastor that needs to be, you know, uh, trained. Uh, just, just, you know, just you need it. Just pull him back. And, you know, a- and they gave us a different example of different churches that can, you know, they, they still go okay. It doesn't have to be trained. It not have to be, you know, so complicated. And you are in a situation that you need really uh, the man home. And so, uh, he seek counsel. He listened for a while. He prayed. He fasted, as he's told me. And But at the end, he keeps praying and hearing uh, God's voice, and he has to stick with what he has heard in the beginning, that the cause sent love there, and then hoping, uh, praying that he will come back. And so he decided not to take the counsel of other fellow pastors. Otherwise, I should be back about a year or so, about a year. And he later he explained to me because he said that he feel that could be a long-term uh, the long long haul for Vietnam, uh, you know, that I need to be trained, and then for the the, the, the bigger body is the New Life Fellowship of, uh, of churches in the region. So it needs more stability, need some sort of, uh, you know, theological train to get, get some ground, and so that he decided to leave me there, and he suffer flying from Seattle back here every month, and only one night, and then come back again and then so that is the uh, the story behind because he, he and then he told me a lesson that you know sometimes you seek the counsel but you just want to make sure you hear god's voice this is why sometimes even you come uh, and seek counsel me i will tell you a general this is the general will god for you i will not go specific why because it can be scary because it may be end up. That's why I encourage that you have to hear God's voice. This is why it's the first lesson in foundation class. Five Christian essential. You need to hear God's voice. You need to love God's word. You need to talk to God. You need to talk to other fellowship. Because you're missing one of the legs, the chair will be unstable. You need to witness. You need to tell God's words to others. Not yet believing. So if you have the 4 leg chair and the platform, it's going to be stable. Most of our life, sometimes spiritual life, spiritual formation is kind of wobbling and unstable, broken, not because of the fancy things that you know in in, in the Bible or some kind of, uh, you know, a famous message. Usually it's just foundational. The building, this building will be collapsed or stand not because the aircon, not because how nice the chair is, how nice the sound is, but the foundation unseen under the ground. Most of our spiritual life is the same. Sometimes the marriage that I counsel, I have an opportunity to counsel. Sometimes they argue over, you know, just, just analogy, aircon, chair, sofa, collar, and the marriage broken because there's no foundation. And the foundation must be in Christ. They have no foundation. People say t- uh, my culture said this, the other culture said this, my mom said this, the other, you know, my uncle said this, and all of that. Where is the voice of the Lord? They have hearing dilemma. The wife side say, you know, my mom said this, and the husband say, my dad said this, and, and the in law intention, all of that, it's just a mess because they themselves cannot hear God's voice. When they get to married, they don't even have a counsel that what this marriage is about. It's just about satisfaction of both, or that you feel lonely, you want to get married, or you cannot, you know, or you sing the song, you know, uh, I cannot live without you, right? Actually, you can can live without the other person. You just cannot live without God. You and I cannot live without God. If you don't come to that grasp that we cannot live without God, without Jesus. If you say, ah, not quite sure of that. Then you have church issue because you don't even, we cannot live without God. But we can live without the other person. Unless God bring that person in our life, and that person is not our God, and that person should not be the center of our worship. And some guy, guy, gentleman, sometimes you know you've been you've been what what it called be single for long, and there's come a moment, a beautiful young lady, and say this is it, and you feel like desperation, and you don't feel like okay, should sh- grab quick, otherwise gone. You know, it's like market driven. If I don't pitch this high, the other guy will pitch higher, right? And so you kinda of use all the tactic and all the, the 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 vanity fair of the magazine, all the trick that how do you seal the hot first date. It's like you know, so you want to seal it, right? And then it's it's you are the worship center and the, the girl that you love is the worship center. And that's idolatry. And sometimes, you know, I I do everything for you. You are everything of of me. And, you know, I will make you queen and all of that. And all the promises and all the roses and all the chocolate and everything you do. Buy a a car, promise a house, whatever that is, you know. And then you pitch high to get one. Sometimes, you know, reality is different things, right? And then because that that, that person becomes the worship center of your life. And then when they got married, they said, what's going to do? Well, after the first year, they enjoy each other, honeymoon. Uh, Usually I said honeymoon, then a bit darker moon, then broken moon. By third year, blue moon, (laughs) Once the blue moon? Ah. And then they they don't know what this marriage is even about. At least in our church, in case case you don't know, we have pre- marriage counseling. Basically, we, we want to ask before they really decide. We have a five set of, 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 of uh, weeks to ask. About 50 questions. Just practical questions. One of the questions is like, why do you want to marry now? And what the marriage that you expect going to be? Because sometimes the, the guy about marriage have different ideas. And sometimes the girl has different ideas. This is his dream. This is her dream. The dream of his is like here, and the dream of her is like here, and then they want to get married. So where did they go? They go maybe some here, and some here, and then they split somewhere. This is a practical question. Because unless you say, if the Lord bring us in, and we unite we become one, we have one mission, we worship in one place, we will do God's will for us because we are one. Not like hey, you know, after, you know, Eve, you do your own will, I do my own will. I do my thing and you do my, your thing. And, you know, you worship here and I worship here. Cannot be. And if, if, if they don't settle the principle like, hey, the guy is the head of the household and therefore he must lead. If you don't know how to lead that time, learn to lead. Le- leading in God's, in God's term is very easy. You know God. You know the Word of God. You speak the Word of God boldly. doesn't matter whether the other one like it or not. But you speak gently with love. You lead with care. And you speak God's Word. Using, you know, God's Word. Not using other paradigm. Even non-believers, they, they understand that if a husband take a job, move to this country, the wife will follow. But sometime the wife said, no, I want to stay. And the husband, okay, you want to stay? You do your thing, I go. One year, maybe okay. Two years, maybe okay. Three years, maybe not okay. Relationship begins distant. And this guy over here has other relationship. And over here, different relationship. Happen all the time. Sadly, I just counsel. Uh, a couple, I've uh, been an old friend a uh, long time ago, and she uh, just called me and said, you know, can you meet me because, uh, you know, uh, my husband that, uh, you know, is from your church before. I said, really? I didn't know him. I said, uh, yeah, 20 years ago. 20 years ago. And he's making a mess, so because you introduced to me. He said, no, Did I? <laughs> did I? I wasn't at the pastor yet at that time. Right? I, was, I was like coming on Sunday, Pastor Eric. I said, did I? I can't remember. And one thing in my life, I never, I never want to be a matchmaker. I never. Unless I mistakenly, I said something nice about him. Maybe. Uh, boy. And, they, uh, and then she said that uh, he's making this mess. I said, oh, that's serious. I said, the best thing I can do is just meet, you know, and then whatever word of counsel I can give you. Uh, but because thi- this guy formed your church, and he make this, this, and this, and this, and this, and he create this mass, and say, I'm not sure even he's Christian, but I mean, but say, you know, because... Uh, in that time, he, he was still going to your church, but then he saw me, uh, he attracted, and he wanted to get with me. He ran over, and then he left your church, and then that he went to different religion with me, and then, uh, you know, and, uh, but he always uh, missed uh, his God there, but then he followed me with different church. But now, I think now it's the time that we separate. He just go and follow his God, and I do my own thing. So basically they want to separate divorce. Because of the they just call it an affair, but it's a involved adultery and so on. Um you know, also another story that um in this church, as if I know, a principle like that when Pastor Eric decided or the church decided like, sent me there to Singapore, other churches said, Okay, you will try to suffer, you just study there three years and you know and your wife staying here uh this church and this uh, pastor Eric say no no uh if we don't uh, we don't send as a family we don't send but we have to find a way to send as a family uh, his wife needs to follow him and that's just a w- blessing for me because i, I know if some of our classmates uh they suffer because they married but they here alone uh temptation comes um, you know, those who are working here, I know sometimes the economical reason that you have to be here alone. But w- one month, two months, six months, I always advise those like, okay, stay here. say one year is already a mark of danger. You need to talk to a company or work away way out and bring your family here, bring your wife here. It's not good, especially in Ho Chi Minh City. It's not good for men to be alone, especially married men. Guys, if we don't like, you know, he says, here's another command, right? The guy said, oh, guys, talk to you know me like, I don't feel like I love my wife. Nothing in the Bible said that you have to feel like you love your wife. I know that you have feeling that's why you're married, right? But of course, that feeling dis- dissipated sometimes, maybe ups and down, like stock market, you know. Our love or her is not supposed to be like this, you know. But, you know, that's the reality, right? That's the reality of our feeling. So that's why we cannot trust our feeling, but we must trust the Word of God. The command of the Word of God is say, love your wife. And it's uh, a period there. Don't say, love your wife when you feel love. Love your wife when she, you know, She's uh, nice to you. <laughs> uh, love your wife when she behaves well. Love your wife when she, you know, uh, uh, submit to you. Just love your wife. So when you have a conflicting voice, it's like somebody, some of your buddies say, hey, if she behaves like that, I mean, want her number one, want her number two, number three, write letters and just send her off. I mean, like, you have a lot of money, you're rich, I mean, this is some of the folks that, yeah, you know, why, why you have to waste your time with this woman? And then you know, you know you can settle the divorce with you know a blink of an eye, and this is the amount you got. You still have plenty, you know. Just go for it. There's a there's a buddy voices, his drinking buddy. The guy that, you know, he spent pub and bar in years, and then when they get married, they don't begin to listen to God's voice. They still go back to the bar and the pub to listen to the voice of whether alcohol or his buddy. I can't believe that some guy, Christian, married, and they still have a day, night out with his buddy. Watching, uh, you know, some of their favorite sport and drinking and party until, you know, 10 p.m. or later and came home. I mean, I don't know if you have counsel. The day you got married, you become one. And the day you got married, Pastor Eric counseled me that I don't leave home without, you know, after 8. If I have a meeting business, I come home about 8, 9. That's latest. Or we inform where I am. That's, that's not, I was just a Christian at that time, right? Just attended a church like you guys. I'm not, I was not a pastor at that time. But the, the, that principle keep me, built a solid foundation in marriage. I can't believe that some of you still say, hey, hey, I, I need to have buddy guy, buddy day. I still go out with my bachelor night day. What is that? That's not, that's not, that's not the voice from the Lord. When you and I have a conflicting voice from our buddy, from our boss, or all of that, we need to follow the command. Stick to the command. Love your wife. So the same way with ladies. Submit to your husband. Does it matter whether he, he worthy to submit? Because some of the wives told me that, you know, my husband, lack of leadership. He's just lazy. He just sit around uh, playing game and doing nothing, not helping the house chore, not helping the hard work. Uh, and he's uh, 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 the, the, some husband, the wife complained that the husband talked too much, even though scientific say 15,000, right? It's not too much, but, you know, because he has to repeat, of course, right? And then, you know, the, the Bible never says, submit your husband when he is worthy of your submission or he's, uh, you know, respect, or he's successful. Some of the, the wife complained that my husband, compared to other guys, other men, he's not successful. He's like a loser. Should I obey him? Should I submit him? I mean, if you believe the Bible, of course you should. So, leadership does not depend on who bring the bread home. It's never in the Bible said that whoever brings the bread home, the bacon home, the meat home, the financial will be the leaders of the home. But in our secular and modern concept, or even the liberal will say whoever has the ability will be the leaders at the home. And one day will be a children that lead the home. Children meaning like 16 years old lead the adult. So if ho- whoever has the ability to lead your home then the president will lead your home. It should be you as gentlemen, the leaders of home, because God appointed you, unless you abandon that role. Say, I don't want to lead it. Just give to whoever that leads. Then another guy from the neighbor who are more able than you lead the home. And that happened too. Why submit to your husband does not have any qualifier say, oh, he has to be successful, he has to be a, a, a main sort of income, or he has to be looking cool. Some guy, some lady, I got a friend, some lady divorced her husband because he's not in fashion. He's not wearing the right jean, not in the right tie, in the proper kind of a setting in the p- party or banquet. And he, she just felt so ashamed in the public and she just will to divorce the guy because he's not cool. Terrible. Because they just hear a different voice. And then the buddy come in and say, Yeah, you know, he's not cool, other guy cooler. And then the voice mixing and then and she did not follow the command of the Lord, but followed other voices, including her inner voices. Are you still with me? Is this message make me unpopular? Children, obey your parents. There's no qualifier. Oh, my parents don't understand Instagram. No, my parents don't understand social media. They don't use the lingo that my buddy used in friend. Uh, you know, they, they will come home and they just, uh, uh, you know, they're they they, they, they don't, they're not like my friend. Of course they're not like your friend. They are your parents. <laughs> and they, sometimes they tell you what to do if you're under 18, Yes. So the Bible said that you obey them. All of that obey submit to the husband obey the pen. I'm not talking in a specific situation about physical domestic violence. I'm not talking about that. I'm not the husband that come home and punish the wife in the face, put the gun in her head and try to kill her. her. That's a different case. That will be, have to inform the authority, the police. That's a different case. I'm not the children has to suffer and not tell others, uh, other grandmother about if any uh, abuse, physical by the parents, physical abuse, emotional abuse, manipulation or sexual abuse. You need to inform others. That's, that's a different story. I'm talking about a general a family. The children must obey mom and dad, whether, whether they are not yet believer or believer, because that the Bible tells so. So I got some family come up, they're not believer, but I say, you know, children must obey. But I say, my, da- my dad, you know, he's an uh, he's, uh, alcoholic. I, I don't care of him, and, and not, you know, he, I not respect him, so I don't obey him. O- obviously, the Bible is for God's people. You cannot bring the Bible and tell unbelievers this is what God says. Say, Who's the Lord? It's exactly like Pharaoh. Who's the Lord? Why should I listen to Him? So this is always the Bible for God's people. So we are privileged to have God's Word instruction for us even though that's how uncomfortable we are. Are you still with me? When we hear a conflicting voices, even good ones stick to God's command, call to your life. For example... You know, sometimes I have a moment of, of, you know, like, I don't know if midlife crisis or not, but I mean, like, a moment like, you know, what should I do in the next 20 years? I mean, a moment like, you know, I can, I think about, you know, a very nice place, either Europe or, you know, or uh, USA Australia, you know, as you go there, invest in this land, by the lake, I kind of retire I get my boat out and I do a bit of hunting. I just chill and you don't need to worry about that. I have an early retirement and your life's beautiful and all of that. I have all of that dream. But the question I should ask, is that the calling and the command the Lord for me. The most challenging part, if not that, I learned a new word yesterday called pipe dream from Peter. It's like, it not, not realistic, but it's realistic because even you can do it. The challenge for Jesus when the devil challenged Him, if you are a son of God, the, key, the, the, the Greek there is, since you are a son of God, I mean, since you are the son of president, just show me your power. I mean, definitely he can show it, but he say it is written, it is written, it is written. Because the, the devil challenged right his ability to be God's son. And oftentimes our temptation is that when we can do it, that's where the temptation is. Not that, like something that you cannot do it. When I was a child, I have a dream I want to become an astronaut. Like floating in the air and looking around the star, uh, I don't think it's now juristic. I know, right? But, but you know, sometimes even we have dream in life. We have to ask: Is that what God wants for you in life, or just that what you want and tell God to do it for you? And sometimes you and I have dreamed, and we attach God at the end to make it spiritual. I have this dream, and God, can you just tail back of my? You know, go back and I tell you what to do, God. I want this, I want this, and then you do it. Are you still with me? So I have a reflection question for us. Last one. Number one. The man of God should ask, why he's here? I'm from Judah, why am I in Bethel? Yeah, God told me to tell Jeroboam. Okay, I just told him. God told me that I should not fellowship with him. I just returned the other way. Okay, I did. But then he fell at one of the religious folks that being around in the region for so long and kind of put him into lose his God. Sometimes we forget what I, we are here on this planet Earth because we're being surrounded of people just care about the concern of this life, where to eat, what to wear. And the Bible said that you worry so much about what to eat, what to wear, where, uh, how, how about the, this business, how about success, and you forgot that God provides. What is the ultimate vision of your life? Why are you here on earth? I ask myself that question. And it's a question for you to reflect. Why are you here in Vietnam? Why are you here in Ho Chi Minh City? I know some scenario you have to bring not only food for yourself here, but sometimes food for your back home. I know that you need to support certain back home, but I tell you this. Unless that person is disabled, unless that person is, you know, incapable of doing anything, you need to train the back home, learn to work, you will help when they need help. You should not create the dependency or co-dependency unhealthy that you are expert and you are Vietnam. You're supposed to be richer than them. Tell them the richness of God. They need to hear God's Word and need to grow up. If they need help, you need help. Otherwise, you will be enslaved and tired of your life for the sake of bread, water, of someone else and you never sent the call of God in your life. Because the where and the concern of this world. The second question you need to reflect on is what did God call me and or tell me to do? Each of you need to hear directly from God. What God asks you to do. If it's the job that you have, do it with joy. If you crumble and mumble and and complain about your job, maybe should not the one that you are doing. Ask God to provide another one. Ask God what I'm doing the job meaningfully, purposely for your kingdom. Is this life is about me or about you? Am I the worship center of this life or you? And what you want me to do? Not that I want you to do what I want, but Lord here I am. Just tell me what to do. Some of you quite have a clarity what you want to do, God wants you to do. And I can see a big difference in your life. I can see people doing for society odd job, sometimes even cleaning the r- restroom, sometimes they do such a joy because they know they're doing for God. Some people I see that they climb to the, the top, upper management, but they're not happy, they're not satisfied. They're not content because something is missing, and that is God. That is the call of God in your life. There will be general call. There will be specific call. The general call in our life is that Christian, we want to know Him and to make Him known. And you read the Bible, you want to be about, you know, share the good news, and the foundation is there. You need to hear God's word. You need to love God's word. You need to speak uh, you speak to Him, and you speak to other Christian, other fellow believers, and then you need to testify God's goodness to you, to others. I think sometimes one, uh, one of the missing legs, it will create you know instability un- in our life. We don't know what to do, especially when the pandemic or when the disaster strikes. See, the third one. What must I do to finish well what He had commanded me? What must I do to finish well? It's not about how we started. Starting is important. It's a good give us a good a head start, but how we finish it. doesn't matter how I started, you know, and become a pastor, how I finish and, you know, end well. We usually have a group of friends. They are pastor. We're praying every week. I mean, overseas we pray online and we all pray that you know we finish well. It's not about popularity, it's not about uh, you know, um, the things that, that we are comfortable but think about we finish well. Which means that we know the end of a call and we finish it well. Do you know the call of God's call in your life? Do you have a vision of your life? Do you know why you're here? I know all of us can say, you know, you're here because you job, you're working here but beyond that, what is it? Beyond that, what is it? Why are you here? I can't answer that for you. But I know why I'm here. I'm here, number one, because God called me here and a pastor. I'm a Vietnamese, uh, and I'm, I'm the host. I'm, I'm your host. I'm a country. So I want to be a good vessel that can help you to grow and, f- and, and flourish here in God's will. In God's will. And what that is, you need to figure out. And this is a time for us to figure out, especially in the, the, the world. is has been locked down, the pandemic, the time of, of steel, the time of reflection, the time to look in the mirror to see the real image of yours in the soul. What is it? Because we don't want to have the hearing dilemma. We hear voices from our boss. We hear voices from our spouses, and we agree with our spouses, but not really hear from God. The most frustrating thing about any people that you have multi-voices and they're all speaking good things. This is the frustration, not bad things. They're all speaking good things. But how do you know which one is from the Lord? Let us just spend uh, five minutes of reflection. Lord Jesus, Lord, we know that you are speaking all the time, but whether we are here or not, most likely reflect the condition of our heart, the status of our mind, and even the strength. Sometimes, Lord, we say that we want to love you with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. Maybe one of those things that sometimes fail us. In loving you. Loving you meaning where we love everything that you have said about us, about sin, about marriage, about relationship. We love everything you said that even sometimes is uncomfortable to us. And sometimes if we decided to follow your will and your way, we'll become unpopular. And Lord, hearing Your voice always implied that keeping Your command. And you from story after story after story, in Your Word, that in Your Bible, in Your Word, that say show that obedience is far better than sacrifice. And Lord, we want to be the people that we pay full attention to Your voice any one of us working in in a company, in a corporation, when there will be a president speaking of a company or CEO, and there's a meeting, we make time for it, we take note, we hear every word we want to execute. And yet, Lord, you reveal your plan to the Bible. And Lord, forgive us for some time we just ignore it. We think it's just an optional. Something that we do when we like it. Something that is... uh, it's just like a furniture. It's decorate our life, but we don't. Sometimes we don't need furniture. And Lord, it's so foundational that Lord. Sometimes even if we don't see the things in our life, but the Word reveal, rebuke, train us, teach us to be in righteousness, to be godly. And Lord, help us to pay attention to full attention of Your Word and not being distracted by all frivolous activity or sometimes activity that we don't like but we kind of comply we dare not to say no help us to some of us here need to learn to say no to know things that are not important meaning say yes to you Jesus some of us need to review our schedule and see is there any time or slot that you are in the schedule and that's obvious if you are not in the schedule then you are not in our mind, in our heart, in our strength. And Lord, every day we face with uh, different voices. Sometimes all of them are good, even sometimes great. But the question we should ask, is that God's idea? Is that God's voice? Or something we just want. Sometimes we just desire. Or sometimes out of our covetedness, we just want to be like someone that we admire, aspire whether in a business term or in art or in school in career in success all of that Lord help us to ask why are we here and what are you calling each of us to do for this life if you if you are the center of our worship if we are the center we know the consequences And Lord, unless you are the center of our worship, unless Jesus Christ is the center of our worship, everything else can be off track. Lord, help us to hear your voice and stick to your command, the call of our life. Husband, I pray that you stay faithful to your wife and love your wife. Wives, I pray that you submit to your husband, respect him, honor him because that's the head of the household. Regardless of his ability to do things in the world or how the world defines him, he has full ordained authority to be the head of a household. Respect him and teach your children to respect him. And don't take sides, don't divide sides. And children, I pray that Lord, you will be a children that you obey the Lord by obeying your parents if they tell you things that contrary to the Bible or say, stop worshiping God, you don't need to obey that. But everything else that in line with God's Word, you should obey. I pray for those who are single, that maybe are looking, searching, maybe in desperation or in whatever the condition, Lord, I pray that Lord, a single one will fix their eye on You and You are the center of their worship undivided attention, uninterrupted attention relationship. Regardless how beautiful, how handsome someone come into their life, their eyes still fix on Jesus. And the other person come with joy, they're going to serve the Lord together. Not like serve of each one needs or dream, but serve the Lord together in the call that they are entering into a marital covenant. That is for life and eternal. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for every children, everyone here, Lord. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice daily, if not weekly. I hope there will be no one hear your voice on a yearly basis. should be daily. And that's the compass of our life. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: All right, thank you, Pastor. I have a few announcements. Thank you for listening. We pray that you and your family are encouraged by these messages. Join us next time, and do press the follow button on our profile page to keep up to date with the latest messages. God bless you.